Good morning. It's great to see you. It's great to have you joining us online. Those of you doing that, glad to have you participate this morning. Um, it's that time of year again. School started up. Kids are off to school. Some of your parents are going, yay, right? And uh, college has begun once again. I remember starting my freshman year of college. Uh, I went all the way from Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, all the way down to Northfield, Minnesota, 70 whole miles, and went off to college at Carleton College. I mainly went there to play basketball. And uh, it was a very uh, high academic school, still is, and so that was another benefit to to going there. Um, And they gave me an English advisor as as an incoming freshman, and they did that on purpose because I liked math and sciences. So they thought I needed to be more balanced in my educational experience, so they gave me an English advisor who advised me not to take any math or science classes my freshman year. So I began that freshman semester taking sociology and writing and all that kind of stuff, and I absolutely hated every minute of it. Amen? And not only that, my advisor was my writing teacher, and he was not a very kind, encouraging individual. And so I had all this kind of negative, act, uh, you know, kind of thing going on with him. And on top of that, I felt like everything I was doing was in my weaknesses. You ever been there? So being kind of a strong-willed individual, when that second semester rolled around and I sat down to figure out my coursework with my advisor, who began to try to steer me to all English and all kind of, you know, history things, I said, huh, I'm taking calculus and I'm taking physics. And he was disappointed, but I was really happy. Now, some of you are going, wow, you were happy about that? Yes, because I was finally doing something I was really good at and it came naturally to me. And so my second semester felt way more successful than my first semester. You see, sometimes we do things and they're in our weaknesses and we're constantly frustrated. And we've been looking at this concept now uh, beginning last week and and, and we're going to go into uh, today and talk about it. We're on week two of this short series of messages from Romans. Romans chapter 12. And what we're being taught here in Romans chapter 12 is that God has graced us with some gifts and some talents, and we're to operate in those strengths. And if we don't understand who we are, and if we don't operate in our spiritual strengths, I think we're going to have a frustrated Christian experience because we're always kind of functioning in our weaknesses. And so what I'm going to do today is begin with a quick review of where we were last week, because it leads into what I'm going to talk with you about uh, this morning. Um, We learned right away in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, is that we are called to embrace a lifestyle of worship. That's really the theme of the whole chapter of Romans 12. We are to be people who live our life as an act of worship to our, our, our God and to bring him glory. And we're going to see today that God has gifted us. When we li- live in that gifting, we bring God glory. And really, it's an act uh, of worship. So we're called to this lifestyle uh, of worship. Next, in Romans 12, verse 3 through 5, uh, we learn component 2 to what I've been calling biblical well-being, uh, living in your strengths. You are to be sober in self-assessment. You're to be aware of who you are as a follower of God. You're to, you're to know how he's gifted you. Uh, it's also good to know what your weaknesses are. And, and Paul is putting us into this right kind of mindset so that we can embrace this really, really grand teaching that he's going to give us next about spiritual gifts. 
He's putting us in this mindset of understanding that God has given us some strengths and we have to know what that strength, uh, what our particular strength is so that we can minister in that regard. Now, let's take a little tangent here. When I'm talking about spiritual gifts in the Bible, uh, these spiritual gifts we're about to read in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8 are often called the motivational gifts. They are the gifts of why you do what you do. They are the gifts of how you see the world. They are the, 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 the motivation behind um, your actions as a follower of Christ. See, when you become a, a Jesus follower, when you give your heart to Jesus, amen, you have to do that first and, and then become filled with the Holy Spirit, God gives you some gifts. And we're supposed to operate our lives, do our lives in the enablement of those gifts. And so in Romans chapter 12 are are, our motivational gifts. Now, if you go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's another gift list. I I call those, and people call those the manifestation gifts. They manifest the power of God, words of discernment, you know, words of knowledge and miracles and those kinds of things. They just bring the power of God to bear in that situation. So thus, they're called the manifestation gifts. Now, there's a third listing of gifts in the the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 4, which we just looked at in our Ephesians study here recently. They're called the ministry gifts. They're the gifts of people to the church, teachers, evangelists, eh, pastors, and all that kind of thing. Eh, And they're to build up the body of Christ. All right, and so you've got these like three different kinds of gift listings. Today we're going to zoom in on Romans chapter 12, and we're going to look at the motivational gifts. They're like the DNA kind of gifts, or like the the core kind of gifting for the follower of God. So here we go. We're going to read Romans 12, verse 6 through 8. Listen to the gifts as Paul now reveals them to us here of the Holy Spirit. He says this: We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So this basically is component three of, of our look into what it means to be, uh, you know, a person of biblical well-being. Uh, this, is, this is an incredible, incredible list of, of gifts here that Paul gives us here. It's very insightful. So, as I, I said, these are often called the motivational gifts, and basically they're uh, gifts that if you understand them, embrace them, you begin to live in your strength. Amen? So here's the point. Point three is this. As part of the body of Christ, God has graced you with spiritual gifting to effectively serve. And I would say this, I would expand that, to effectively minister, to effectively be in relationship, to effectively do your marriage. If you begin to know these giftings and know the giftings of those around you, uh, your life will take on kind of a different hue. So, grace, what's the word grace mean? I know I define this a lot here at Grace Point, but I'm going to do it again because we have a lot of new people. Frequently people confuse grace and forgiveness. They're not synonyms. Grace and forgiveness are two entirely different words, biblically speaking. Grace means the power of God to be saved. It's the enablement of God to be saved. And it's the enablement of God, the power of God to live as we ought. So grace carries this enablement, this power facet to it, okay? Um, Now the classical definition of grace is the favorable disposition of God towards us on account of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, And so now what we're going to do is I'm going to blow up and expand a little bit uh, on these uh, spiritual gifts that we just read. But we're going to do some participation today. You okay with that? Because if you're not, you're in trouble because I'm running the show here. 
All right, so if you, if you grab your note-taking guide, you'll notice in the back of it is a motivational gift test. Grab that and look at that. These are going to show up on the screen, too. We're going to go through them on the screen, so if you don't have a note guide, you can look at the screen at least uh, try to do this in your head. But you'll notice there are five sections of seven. So there's seven motivational gifts. So on each section are seven questions pertaining to a, a particular motivational gift. So there are five sections of seven. Got that? So in each section, you may pick one or two statements that apply to you most. Don't pick ones you want to be. It's not about what you want to be. It's about who you really are. Amen? And so what I want you to do is I want you to go through this little motivational gift test very quickly and just mark one or two in each section of five that pertains to you most. And then when you're done, at the bottom is, is a total. How many ones did you pick? How many twos did you pick? How many threes did you pick? How many fours did you pick? And, and so on. You can see that. And the one that you picked most often is probably your motivational gift, okay? And I'm going to go through the motivational gifts after this test, and we'll, we'll kind of expand on that. Uh, so let me go through the first one, like I'm taking this, like I'm pretending I'm taking this, okay? And you can see if you disagree or agree with me. So I am direct, frank, and persuasive in speaking and giving advice. I probably would circle that one. I'm very frank and direct, all right? If you get to know me, I'm direct to a fault. I notice practical needs of others and do what I can to, to meet them. Every now and then, if I'm honest. I want to make sure the statements are about faith are accurate. Yeah, I do, but not as much as one. Okay? I am able to encourage those who are spiritually troubled. I hope so. That's what I try to do as a pastor. But probably not as much as one. I give money and, do, and, I, 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 and I do not want others to know. Yeah, that would be me too, but not as much as one. You see where I'm going with this? I'm willing to endure criticism to get a test done. Oh, boy. That's pretty close to one. <laughs> If I'm true, if I'm really honest, I'll take a lot of criticism if, if I think it's going to accomplish something good. So I probably would circle that one too. I avoid conflict and confrontation. Uh-uh, I like to wade into those things. How about you? So I know that's not true, okay? So, so I probably would circle one and six. So you see how you do this? So we're going to give you three minutes. Here you go. And I'm not going to speak for three minutes. It's going to be real awkwardly quiet. Although Kyle prays music. I didn't know that. So... If nothing else, you can enjoy some song right now. If you're listening online here uh, and doing this online, I want to encourage you. It's going to be quiet for like three minutes. Take the test at home. All right? So here we go. Fill it out. You have three minutes.
Okay, wrap it up. If you say, you didn't give me the time you said you would, you're probably prophetic. Okay. So, anyway, we're going to wrap it up. If you didn't finish here, you can always finish this at home, and I'd encourage you uh, to do that. Um, make sure you total how many you circled for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That corresponds to the spiritual gifts listed in Romans uh, chapter 12. There are several reasons. There are several reasons. You can keep taking the test if you want. There are several reasons you should know your spiritual gift. One, self-awareness is always a benefit to us. Amen? You know your strengths. And you probably then will know some of your weaknesses. Um, we're all called to serve in the body of Christ. And so every one of our gifts is important. And so as we become aware of our gifting and we bring that to, to um, you know, the ministry forefront and the body here at Grace Point, it gives a full-orbed kind of uh, presentation of Jesus Christ. Um, lastly, and I think this may be the most important thing, you'll know others better. I think there's an awful lot of conflict in marriage at times and in the body of Christ, maybe in the work environment, simply because sometimes we don't know each other's spiritual gifts and we operate very differently. And one isn't necessarily right and one isn't necessarily wrong. They're different. And once we begin to understand it, it really helps. One of the things I see happen frequently is a mercy-motivated person will marry a prophetically motivated person. (laughs) Yikes, right? That's really cool when you're dating because the mercy one will say, oh, I love your strength and the Strong one will say, oh, I love how loving you are. And then they get married. I don't, you're so critical. You're so, un, you know, you're so mushy and you can't take and make a decision. There's negatives and positives, right? You follow what I'm saying here? And so you need to understand um, uh, these gifts because they help you to understand uh, one another, especially other family members and other members of, of the church. So here we go. I'm going to walk through these gifts one at a time very quickly. And they, the number I'm using here corresponds to the number that you just filled in here as you summarized your motivational uh, gift test here. So these numbers all correlate. So number one, prophesying. Divine enablement to proclaim God's truth with power and clarity. These ones see what is coming. They apply truth to the present situation. Uh, if you're prophetic in your gifting, you are one that sees actions as right or wrong. You're pretty black and white. You react strongly to people who uh, are not what they appear to be. You do not like hypocrisy. It really bothers you. You can usually detect when something's not what it appears to be, even if you can't put your, your finger on exactly what's going on. You can quickly discern a person's character. You feel an overwhelming urge to correct, especially when someone says something wrong. It's just hard for you not to say anything. You will explain everything that's wrong with something when you're selling it. You have full disclosure. You can't live with yourself if you don't say, hey, I'm selling you this motorcycle, but it has these 18 hiccups, right? You just, and by the time you're done, you've wrecked the sale. Um, you, you let people know how you feel about important issues, whether they want to know or not. You enjoy people who are completely honest with you. You are quick to judge yourself uh, when you fail, in fact, you're probably your own worst critic at times. You're just hard on yourself. And you're willing to do right even when nobody else does right because you're going to do right because it's right. Amen? If you're prophetic, you're all going, amen, I understand this. So that's number one. Number two is serving. That's a divine enablement to um, accomplish physical tasks. These ones are motivated to meet other people's practical needs. You notice, first of all, a need and you meet that need. 
If you're not doing this, you're probably not service motivated. You enjoy serving to free others up for what may be more important use of their time. You are willing to neglect your own work to help others. You sometimes go beyond your physical strength in serving. Um, You can usually detect ways to serve before anybody else sees the need or even knows it's there. You don't mind doing the job yourself. You don't want public praise, but you really, really are thankful when you're appreciated and people acknowledge that what you did is valuable. You find it really difficult to say no when someone asks for help. Uh, I've done this teaching multiple times over my ministry career, and I have noticed that most of the body of Christ is gifted for serving, probably 50%. Why do you think that's the case? Because that's what we need, amen? We need a lot of servers in the body of Jesus Christ. Number three is teaching. Divine enablement to understand and explain biblical truth. These ones are motivated by having people understand the truth. Um, I know Vicky's listening online right now and doing the online interaction, but I'm married to a teacher-motivated person, so I understand this personality pretty well. You want to make sure that statements are true and accurate. You desire to gain as much knowledge as you can. See, I know I'm not teaching motivated because I only want enough knowledge to get by. Amen? As soon as I know what I need to know, I'm done. I'm out. It doesn't interest me anymore. I want to move on to other things. You react to people who make unfounded statements. You check the credentials of the one who wants to teach you. Like, why should I listen to you? What credentials do you have? Why should I hear anything that you have to say? You enjoy spending hours doing research on a subject. Right, Aaron? (laughs) <laughs> he's teaching motivation. Anyway, um, you like to tell us the many facts, as many facts as you can on a subject. You pay close attention to words and phrases. If you're on a teaching individual, man, they're masterful with words and phrases, and you better be willing to be mastered in that regard because they're, they're very good at that. You tend to be silent on a matter until you check it out. You can tell if someone's teaching motivated, they won't have an opinion until their p- opinion's informed. I really appreciate that about that uh, spiritual gift. Let's move on to encouraging the fourth spiritual gift. Divine enablement to come alongside someone to reassure, strengthen, and affirm. These ones are motivated to stimulate others' faith. So if you're encouraging in terms of your spiritual gift, you will motivate people to become um, what you see they could be. They may not see it, but you see it in them. Amen? Sometimes you're seeing it before they see it. You like to give counsel and logical steps of action. You like to see results. You can usually discern a person's level of spiritual maturity very quickly. You enjoy working out projects to help people grow spiritually. You're a one, two, three, four step kind of personality. You dislike teaching that does not have practical application. In fact, it'll drive you a little bit nuts because you want to put into practice what you're learning. You like to see facial responses of those whom you counsel. You often take family time to counsel others. You enjoy giving examples uh, from lives of others to help somebody, and you will do that personally. You'll, you'll engage personally with your own experiences and examples uh, in order to help somebody in their journey of faith. So let's go on to number five. It's giving. We're on number five is giving. Divine enablement to make money. Manage money and wisely contribute to the work of God. These ones are motivated to meet the financial needs that they see. Interestingly enough, if you have this spiritual gifting, chances are you're a frugal person. And your family would say, they're very frugal. 
with us, but generous with everybody else, okay? Um, you enjoy investing money in the ministries of other people. You have an ability to make money. That's really important if you're going to be a giver, amen? You probably have to have something to give. You desire to keep your giving a secret. You react negatively to pressure appeals for money. You don't like that. You don't like that salesman kind of thing being done to you. You want the ministries you support to be as effective as possible. You enjoy giving to the needs uh, which others tend to overlook. You desire to, have, uh, to give gifts of high quality. You enjoy knowing that your gifts are specific answers to prayer. If you're a giver, man, when you see your gift answering a prayer, you go crazy in a good kind of way. Let's go to number six, leading. Leading. Divine enablement to see what needs to be done, set goals, and attract followers. These ones are motivated to organize and direct others. Listen, if you say, I have the gift of leading, but you have nobody following you, you're not a leader. That's called wishful thinking, or you're just a cleric personality. You like to boss people around. I don't know what's going on, but you're not... Chances are you don't have the spiritual gift of leading. A leader can visualize... The final result of a major undertaking. They can see the big picture of what is being strived for. You enjoy coordinating the efforts of many to reach a common goal. You can break down a large task into multiple small tasks to achieve the large task. You're able to delegate. Leaders are masterful at delegating. Amen. Um, You see people as valuable resources that can be used to get a job done. You're willing to endure reaction and criticism in order to accomplish some kind of task or mission. Uh, You really want loyalty with those around you. It's a real high, uh, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to call bar or whatever in in your own life. You just demand loyalty from those around you. You remove yourself from petty details because you want to focus on the final goal. And once you're done with the challenge, guess what? You're bored really quickly. You want to move on to another challenge. That's what leaders tend to do. How about mercy? We're going to, this is number seven, okay? We're in last one, mercy. Um, Divine enablement to identify and comfort those who are in distress. These ones are motivated by the feelings of others. Just get this. If you're mercy motivated, you attract the needy. So if you've got a lot of needy people around you, and they come and gravitate to you, chances are you're mercy motivated, even if you don't know it. You can sense when people have hurt feelings. You react to those who are insensitive to others' feelings. I really know I'm not this one. How about some of you already? Because I have to work on being sensitive and, and, and not you know, to other people's feelings. You desire deep friendships in which there is mutual commitment. You seem to attract people who tell you their problems. You find it difficult to be firm or decisive with people. You take up offenses for those whom you love. You want to remove those who cause hurt to others. You often wonder, God, why is there so much suffering in this world? So there you go. A real brief overview of the seven motivational gifts of Romans chapter 12. Now remember, they line up with the the one through seven on your gift test. So sometimes you can see who you are by having it explained to you. Sometimes taking a gift test helps you to to figure this out. Sometimes you just need to ask somebody that knows you really well. Who do you think I am? And they'll have more insight into you than you have into yourself. Now here's why these these, uh, motivational gifts are so important. Here's an insight. See, God has designed you to operate out of the core strength of your spiritual gifting. 
So just like I was frustrated as a freshman, that freshman year in college, that first semester because I was taking all these courses that I wasn't gifted at, once I got into the second semester and began to take some things that I was really good at and strong in, my life just was so much better. And I think our, our, our biblical well-being, our, our life in Jesus Christ becomes so much more fruitful and rewarding and satisfying when we begin to operate out of the core strength that God has designed into each one of us. So I want to clear something up here. Often I've given this gift test and people say, well, shoot, I'm not teaching motivated. I'll never teach. Oh, I'm not giving motivated. I don't have to give. I'm not mercy motivated, so I'm not going to do mercy thing for sure, right? I'm not prophetic. Truth's way too hard, so forget that. And you use the gift test entirely wrong. It's not meant to be used that way. Instead, it's meant for you to have some self-awareness so as you do ministry, you can let your core strength, your gifting bubble to the surface of the way you do that ministry. So let me give you an example here, and that's how we're going to kind of close out uh, the message uh, this morning. Have you noticed behind me there's some chairs with silhouettes in them? So, in the spirit of the pandemic, amen, we have a crowd here. Don't they look like a real crowd? I mean, that's what they did with football last year, amen? Did it work? <laughs> no. And I, I mean, the only thing worse was watching some of the monitors where they had individual fans going, eh, like that's going to get me excited, whatever. And so, so, here we got our pandemic crowd, amen, behind me. And I'm going to teach them. I, let's pretend this is a class. And I'm teaching them. And I'm going to walk through each spiritual gift and, and say how that would be incorporated into my teaching style. So it's not whether I should teach because I'm just a teaching motivated person, but I, I think teaching needs all these various spiritual motivations to be effective, okay? So the, the prophet, what, what's the prophet going to major on? Truth, brother, truth. Say we're teaching a class on, uh, you know, on, and we're going through the book of Galatians or whatever, and the, the prophetic type of teaching, and they're going to just hammer home the truths of Galatians, how important they are, and how you better embrace them, and if you don't, you're going to have big trouble in your life. Amen? Because they're prophetically gifted. You may not like them, but they have a way of getting down to the bare bones uh, of issues and getting at what really matters when it comes to uh, Christianity. So then you go to the server. So I'm going to switch gears. Now let's pretend the silhouette is a first grade class, Sunday school class, and you're a server teaching. Praise God. You know why? You know what servers do? They bring snacks. <laughs> they think of the practical needs of the students, and they're going to bring snacks to the first grader. If you want to win a heart of a first grader, especially a first grade boy, what do you do? You feed them a snack. Amen. You will forever be their friends. I remember when I was pastoring at, at uh, New Hope, um, uh, Brent Bickle had his, his little, his little uh, son, Jackson. And uh, Jackson would always come in and say, snack. He was like three. You know why? Because I gave him peanut M&Ms every time he came in. It was like I trained him. So he'd run to my office and snack. He thought I was the best person ever because I just gave him a peanut M&M every now and then. Amen? So if you're a server... Don't minimize the impact you can have because you're sensitive to the needs of other people and you serve them, amen? It's a grand gift. I mean, 
I don't mind a chocolate donut every now and then. Hey, Bruce, he had them in his, his men's class. It's, it's a, those little acts of service are just humongous in their, in their, in their effectiveness of, of, of ministering to people. So now we get to the teacher. The teaching motivated person will be super systematic. Probably give the class research projects to do. And make sure that whatever you do, you got the references down. Don't just give me your opinion. Why do you have that opinion? Uh, how can you validate that opinion? And I think for us as a community of, uh, of believers, that's a gift. Because if you go on social media, there's a lot of hogwash being said. There's no verification. There's no validation. It's just people expressing their collective ignorance. Amen? And I love it. I love teaching motivation people because they make you say, well, where'd you get that information from? How do you know it's true? That's not bad, is it? It's good. It's good for the body of Christ. And then you have the exhorter. The exhorter will actually know the names of their students. And when someone, now we'll go back to the kindergarten or, or first grade. So when little Sally finally speaks up and says something, the exhorter teacher will go, I knew you could do it, Sally. They'll hold their little head. You are so smart. And they'll encourage you, thank you for doing that. Now, if you have an adult class, never do that. Because <laughs> they're done, amen? They're done with you. That's just too much. But with little kids, man, they need hugs. They need exhortation. They need to be encouraged. And they need to be, you know, uh, validated. Amen, right? Sometimes, especially in a church setting, that's all the validation some of these kids ever get. Amen? So it's incredibly important, this encourage your personality. And then you go on to the giver. Um, I tell you what, we're going, to stay in the, we're going to stay in the grade school scenario. Let's say that you have this teacher and she, she's just a giving motivated kind of personality. And she, she just gives and gives. And she talks with her students frequently about giving and how important that is and, and how that should be part of our lifestyle. You know, most people are very selfish. Most little kids are born self-centered. Amen, right? You don't have to teach a little two-year-old to say, mine, 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 mine. That's natural, right? What do they need to be taught? It's somebody else's share. Give, 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 right? And so when you have a teacher teaching young children especially, and she is giving motivated, what an incredible gift that is to those kids, right? Because they need to learn that. That's, you, you look at God, God's a God of generosity. God is a God who gives. For God so love, he gave his son. So when you teach... Giving, it's, it's an attribute of our God, amen? It's so important. And then you go on to leaders. I love leaders. <laughs> They're going to organize that class, man. And you see, if you're a leader personality, you say, you know what? Sam, next week you're teaching the class, and I want you to do this. Next week after that, Sue, then you got the class, and you're going to do this. And they, they organize, and they delegate. They have no problem delegating. They like to delegate. They like to see other people actually succeed. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and, and leaders just organize and bring the best out of a group, especially when they got a mission in front of them that requires a bunch of different kinds of talents and resources to be pulled together. They just, they love pulling the strings and putting it all together. Man, it just, it's just what gets their heart thumping. It, it just leaders are such a blessing. And then mercy motivated. Um, my oldest daughter, my fifth daughter, I'm really sure are mercy motivated. And, and so this one is near and dear to my heart, but they love unconditionally and they attract the needy. So a mercy motivated, can you think of anything more important for maybe a kindergarten class or sixth grade class of students than to know that that teacher loves them and cares about them, that they're just not a face, that that teacher 
uh, actually cares about what's going on in their life. I mean, that transcends age. Love triumphs. Mercy triumphs. Amen? It's such an important attribute. You see, as each of us operate in our core strength and our spiritual gift, we bring a different kind of aspect. And together, what do we do? We represent Christ so well then. So well we represent Christ when we all are operating in our core strengths. So this, to me, is our spiritual act of worship. This is what Paul began. He said, you know, we have to worship our God, and, you know, by serving him as our spiritual act of worship. There you go. He gives us these gifts, and as we put those gifts into practice we're, we're, and be faithful, we're rendering to God the spiritual act of worship. Amen? It's just beautiful. Um, so let's talk about benefits and knowing about motivational gifts, and we're going to wrap up. Um, you understand yourself and others. Amen? Are any of you very critical of yourself? I tend to do that. I tend to beat myself up all the time. Why aren't I more like this or whatever? Once I begin to realize, oh, okay, I need to work on those areas I'm not good at, but I haven't been gifted that way. That's part of the, part of the a dynamic that I need to understand. And secondly, um, you can embrace the value of others and, and yourself, but you can just begin to value. I, just, I, I, I find it really, really interesting to watch other people and say, oh, I bet they're motivated this way. That's really cool. It's very different from me, but it's good. Amen? And we begin to value each other rather than diminish each other when we understand this is a gift from God and this is the way these guys operate, you know? Because, like I said, if you, the mercy and the, and the prophetic get married at first, it's like, well, I love the differences in that attracts. And when they get married, they see the negatives of it. You have to return back to understanding and valuing the the. the the benefit of what that gifting is about. Because a prophetic person will see truth. They'll, they'll do hard things. They'll make tough decisions. And the, and the mercy person, oh my goodness. I don't even understand those guys sometimes, how they love and how they accept and how they'll listen. It, it, you know, such, these are such valuable gifts, all right? And second benefit, you can work out of your strengths and take into then account your weaknesses. But when we begin to work out our, our strengths, watch out. It's like you get into this rhythm, you get into the sweet spot, and um, as you serve, the service becomes rewarding to you and it becomes edifying to all those around you. I want to leave you with one thought today. Go work in your strengths. Put them to, into action. Whatever your spiritual gift is, let it bubble to the top. You know, do it in balance, of course. Don't be too crazy about, uh, you know, jamming your particular perspective down other people. But work out of your strength. It's your spiritual act of worship. As you do your part, the body of Christ is edified and everybody wins. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for this day and for this teaching of Paul. I think for me personally, it was one of the most illuminating teachings of, of Romans. When I got to this, I said, oh, for me, there's a lot of aha moments here. And I want to just pray for the church here at large that that would be the same experience, that we would know what our gift is, our spiritual strength is, that we would willingly minister with embracing that spiritual gift in this, Lord for the furtherance of your kingdom and for the edification of the church and for, you know, self-satisfaction and all these things that kind of bubble into the package, Lord. I pray uh, that, that we would uh, minister out of our strengths, Lord. Would you just bless each one here? And I pray more than anything, Jesus, that people would know you. Because none of this will matter if we don't know you, Jesus. So I pray for anyone today that doesn't know who you are, Jesus, that they would give their life to you. That's my sincere prayer. 
And I pray that each one of us would ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. God, we love us so much. Thank you for this day. Would you bless the people of Grace Point, bless their week, and may we go minister out of the strength of the Spirit that you put into us. In your name, Jesus, amen.